0: I've been apathetic during a lot of losses so far this season, but this game, I am not apathetic. I am bothered. Uh, welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Miro Samson Folk, and you're tuning in after the Raptors' loss to the Portland Trailblazers, to Norman Powell, and just so many, 122 to 117, by the way, but so many mistakes that are so easy to recognize, so easy to identify, that you wonder what the hell is going on. You have so many standout performances, and yet you can't piece together a win wherein your defense was capable, and for a long time was doing a good job of keeping CJ and Dame under wraps. You play a style of defense down the stretch where you're flattening out, you're switching every pick and roll that those two are involved in, And keep in mind, you have Stanley Johnson on the floor instead of Gary Trent Jr. There are severe offensive implications for that. Now, if you look at the box score and you say, oh, Stanley had a great game. He had 11 points, 75% from the floor, got to the line for four free throws. I'm going to disagree, actually, because he infringes on so many of his teammates' opportunities and this complete lack of spacing. His guy is sagging way off of him. And the Raptors, he kept on being the release valve. That is not what you want for your offense. And this indecision, this like hesitation above the break when he has the ball and he could shoot a three-pointer. But A, the Blazers want that even though he's wide open. So, And man, he affects the offense to such a degree that the Raptors, it's a shock. They're able to create any offense while he's out there and it's, yeah, it's tough to it's tough to watch, quite frankly. And defensively, he's good. Stan is a good defender. If you're flattening out, if you're switching pick and rolls, which the Raptors often do late in games, Stan is very helpful. Yes, he got blown by by CJ. Did that suck? Yes. He shouldn't have picked him up at half court and then just get blown by. Really dumb. Shouldn't do that. But here's the thing. Flattening out, switching. Stan fits that scheme. He fits it pretty well. He had a couple nice possessions defensively. But on the other side, if you're running Boucher and Ananobi, you need to pre-switch so that Ananobi and Boucher, when they're in that action and they inevitably switch, it's the screen has to be set on another guy. You see teams do this all the time. Harden, LeBron, guys of that ilk will stand basically at the logo and pick out the guy they want involved in a screening action. But the team defending can reject that and can send another guy up to guard the action. It happens all the time. The Raptors didn't do that. And in the heat of the game, you have CJ McCollum guarded by Chris Boucher in space. And end one ensues. And prior to that, Stanley Johnson got blown by and CJ hit a floater. And it's just like, that's how you lose games, man. If they're not going to have to earn it, because CJ being guarded by Chris Boucher instead of... One of Pascal, OG, or Stanley Johnson, one of the guys who would presumably be guarding a screener, that's that's just too easy for them. And this isn't. I think they should have been closing with Chris Boucher, one hundred percent. I just think that they should have worked a little harder. And no, it's not. You know, no play come, no game comes down to one play. Of course not. That's silly. But here's the thing: if you're not going to put Stan in every screen action, you can so that you can really maximize his defensive potential on the floor, then you absolutely need to not have him on the floor because if he's on the weak side, it's a wasted defensive possession considering what he takes away from you offensively. If he's on the weak side, Gary Trent Jr should be on the floor instead. 100%. That's that's the simple calculus. And I think while yes, Gary Trent Jr had a bad game, you still have him out on the floor when you're trying to get offense. I mean, the Raptors got scored on seven possessions in a row in the fourth quarter. You're not stopping much. You're not doing much. That's the thing. And you had 10 points in the prior quarter. And so that's what I mean, is that Gary Trent Jr. had a bad, bad game. And that makes sense. But I still think you have to put him on the floor because, A, you have Pascal Siakam on the floor, and you have five Blazers shading him offensively. It's a Herculean effort from him. And here's the thing. He's drawing a bunch of defenders. Guys will make open three-point shots. Gary Trent Jr. will be one of those to make them. Stanley Johnson, he had a look at one. He had a look at a few, and he made one. But he just, his defender was in Siakam's airspace any he was on the strong side of the floor. That's bad news, because the Raptors, in this game, completely depended on three-point shot, went on a massive drought in the third quarter when Pascal Siakam wasn't on the floor, only scored 10 points. And why do you think that is? Because they can't create rim pressure. And the one guy who can is being shaded and pinched in on every single time he picks up his dribble, every time he goes downhill. So if you have guys who space up the floor a little bit better than Stanley Johnson, you grease the wheels of basically every other action the Raptors run. And whether that's the 10-point third quarter or down the stretch... It just, the Raptors have to be able to command a certain level of respect when they're running their actions that you can't just sit on the one guy. And that happened to the Raptors in this one. And that really was too bad. And I think, even though Gary Trent Jr. didn't make his shots earlier on, you still have to, you still have to get a functioning offense out there without asking your main guys to just hit insane shots. And that's what was asked of them down the stretch. And no kidding, they lost really frustrating game i was very surprised at the rotation decisions that were made especially in that third quarter the raptors were completely dependent on fred's offense and the third quarter is where they lost right because you score 10 points in a quarter you get outscored by 13 in that singular quarter you're gonna lose you're gonna lose the game most likely because you can't give up that much and that huge run that the blazers broke off that Basically, it started while Pascal was on the floor, but it really prol- proliferated while he was off of it. Man, sitting on Fred and saying, Fred Van Vliet, create the offense. We're looking for shots. You have to make peace with the idea that your offense is going to be really three-point heavy because Fred is not really going to get to the rim, and if he is, it's finishing at a little percentage. But even more important than, than that, Fred is not going to guide his teammates to the rim for buckets. That's rare as well. And so what you're expecting with a Fred-led offense is two things. A pull-up three for himself, which is fine. I like Fred pulling up for three. That's good. He he brought the game close at the end with a pull-up three. I like Fred pulling up. He's a great shooter. But when he drives in and he's passing out against the weak side zone, If Baines or Stanley Johnson are on the floor, that's who's going to be left open because the guy who's in the weak side zone is going to have a bias to the other shooter. And then what you get is a lot of downhill action, a lot of effort from Fred Van Vliet, and then a pass out to a guy who is not going to shoot the ball. So what you've done is you've required a ton of effort from Fred so that A, you can run time off the clock, you can reset the offense with a guy who is not capable of running any actions and you're going to have way less time on the clock. So what happens next? Uh, Shovel pass, pitch pass to Fred, try and run something else. It just does not work. The Raptors exacerbate this when, because three-point shooting is, there's, it's not luck, but there are trends. You're going to make three in a row sometimes. Sometimes you're going to miss 10 in a row like the Raptors did. And Sometimes you get really unlucky and you're on the bad end of runs when OG Ananobi happens to miss a three that he would usually make during a run like that. And when you feel like you finally manufactured a good three-point shot and it doesn't go in, you're like, oh my God, that took a lot of effort. I can't believe that didn't drop in. Can you believe how hard we worked to manufacture this jumper when most of the time the ball is ending up in Stanley Johnson's hands with... 11 between 8 to 11 seconds on the shot clock that's tough that's really tough to swallow because there's no cohesion in your offense and once they realize that there's a hesitancy for stan to shoot they start crowding other players because they can be a little bit more ham-fisted in how they guard guys like og for example or gary trent jr or rodney hood they can close out they can hang back a little bit more, and they don't have to pinch in because, A, Fred is not going to stress the Blazers out as a driver. You do not have to pinch in on his drives. You're just going to let the guy he's on sit on him and try and play straight-up defense. If he gets an edge, the help side defense is going to come over, sure. But that's the thing. There's just not a lot of danger to it. So the, Raptor, the Raptors are getting crowded on basically every jump shot that isn't Stanley Johnson's, and Stanley Johnson is like – lame duck above the break and the Raptors offense just ceases to exist. And it's not just Stanley Johnson. It's also Fred doesn't create looks at the basket. And that's why the Raptors to start that third quarter were so dependent, so utterly dependent on Pascal Siakam, pushing to get to the rim, getting to the free throw line, getting to the bucket for left-handed layups. And I was like, wow, very impressed with Pascal because he isn't typically a run stopper. He isn't typically that guy offensively a lot of the time, he'll go with the flow, which is why he was such a tremendous, tremendous offensive weapon next to Kyle and Kawhi. But here, when Fred is creating a homogenous style of offense, especially when Pascal isn't on the floor, they looked good when they shared the floor together. And there's a synergy there that I like a lot. But my God, that third quarter was so rough, and that's where the Raptors lost the game. Otherwise, I mean, there was tons of fun stuff that happened in this game. Fred was awesome defensively he was hounding every action above the break if he was in a position to pinch in on the drive he was effective he made players think about where they're gathering the ball maybe they gather a little bit earlier because they don't want those heavy hands coming in and the thing is too OG Ananobi like seven turnovers is terrible but I loved this game because he flashed a little bit of everything and if the Raptors are going to lose games, if they're going to pack it up and say, we're just giving guys room to create, room to progress and try things out, then OG is at the top of the list of guys who you want to see a little bit more from. 19 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists. He had so much creation on ball that we don't see a lot of. You're really happy to see it. He's getting like a drag screen in transition, seeing that the big switches onto him, getting into ISO taking the ball at him, getting the ball up, finishing at the bucket, getting to see some flex action in the half court so that he's in the post against smaller players, looking to lean on some more of his strengths and grow some things that are perceived as weaknesses, like his handle, his ability to work on balance while he gets downhill, and taking in the bad stuff as you go. That's that's part of it. That's That's always going to be a part of it, always going to be when you're watching guys develop. But, OG continues to amaze, I think, in a lot of ways. He he fell over quite a few times tonight, and that's, that's par for the course. But the spot-up shooting is still excellent. The bent of creativity continues to surprise and amaze at times with what he's able to pull out of his bag. And his bag is ever-changing because there's not much consistency to anything he's doing besides the spot-up shooting. But... The post-up stuff, I like it a lot. I thought he was absolutely railroaded on that call at the end of the game when he got Damian Lillard on him. It was not a shoulder. Dame is Kyle Lowry-style flop, so I can't be too upset at it because Kyle would do the same thing. And If OG was posting up Kyle, OG would get a charge like 60% of the time because the refs know what Kyle wants, and Kyle knows what he wants, so... Getting a charge on Dame is whatever, par for the course again, I guess. But I was bugged by that because I thought the Raptors really, they ran some really nice back-end action to get him switched on to Dame. And then they had that post up. And then to just have it end in a charge where, honestly, OG did not throw his shoulder. It was just regular run-of-the-mill back down. That was disheartening. But anyway, yeah, OG, I liked his game a lot. Seven turnovers is way too much. Unless you're James Harden and you're passing for like 18 assists, seven turnovers is always going to be way too much. And OG, he'll look to clean that stuff up. But the flashes he showed in this game, I think, were well worth it. As I said, Gary Trent Jr., he's he's a jump shooter. That's what he's going to be. The flare sets, handoffs, pin downs, all that kind of stuff. He's going to be good in that stuff when his shot is going. He's like two for 11 or two for 12 from three as a Raptor. That'll come around. He's a good shooter. The mechanics are nice. Every Like the rotation on the ball is good. It'll come around. He has some nice wiggle on ball. The wiggle is not going to get him to the rim, though. I think we should all expect that by now. That's, you know, this is... It could in the future, I should say. It could in the future because he has, uh, a, he has a, a good handle, I would say. A good handle on the ball. He has wiggle... He can, he snaked a pick and roll, got into a mid-range jumper, hit it, looked every bit of a, you know, a volume scorer in that moment. And this might sound shocking, but he's actually the youngest player on the team. He's younger than Malachi. He's younger than Jalen Harris. So I'd hate to write off any other type of, any other type of progression, but he does not look to get downhill very often. And he doesn't have the, I would say the athletic attributes that would grant him downhill status very often. But he's got good footwork coming off of you know the pin downs, dribble handoffs, flares, a lot of above the break action. He's pretty smooth with it, and he can get into his jump shot. That pull-up footwork is really quick too. Stuff to keep an eye on. That was, that was the best part of his game. Defensively, still missing some rotations, which I understand. And that's why it confused me why he wasn't in the game late, because it's not a rotation-heavy scheme. It's fairly simplistic. Like you're switching at the top. If you don't like the guy who's setting the screen, you call that out and another guy goes up to guard the screener. It's very simple. And if you get a breakdown, it's just basic help side instinct, help side rotations that are coming into play. And that's that's not complex defense. And I think that's where he might have sh- shown the most. So I didn't I didn't like that once again. And I'm harping on that. So you've already heard enough about that, which is fine. But... It, when things are a little bit more complex and it's not just straight up flat flattening out the pick and roll at the top and kind of keeping everything in that iso ball where the Blazers are fine with iso ball because they have CJ and Dame. Or if they can get any screen help, they'll take it too. So we'll see with that. But it's, it's developing. He needs way more games under his belt to even evaluate his defense in this scheme. I'll, I'll say that. And so I don't want to be too harsh. But Rodney Hood, not quite nuclear, but a significant burst in that first half. I think he had 11. There was some on-ball shot making. There was spot up and coming off the bench on the Raptors, taking a dribble hand off, dribbling with your right hand, spinning back to your left, hitting like a push shot in the lane. That's completely unique to Rodney Hood. Nobody else on the bench is going to recreate that or emulate that. And the Raptors, as we've seen by that third quarter, sometimes they need some ancillary help some on-ball craft, some shot-making craft. And Hood, in this game, it was like a come-to-Jesus moment for the Raptors at the time, in that first half. Like, oh my god, this guy can give you buckets that aren't manufactured by someone else. And there's very little creation on the back end of the Raptors roster. So it was, you know, Raptors fans were quite happy to see it. And, you know, that makes a lot of sense to me. I was quite happy to see it too. Boucher, Fred... Well, I'll start with Boucher. I thought he was awesome. I think that there's there's very little on the roster that can do what he does. There's a reason the Raptors won their minutes when he was on the floor. He just greases the wheels offensively to such a significant degree. Not only are you running actions with him and actually dictating that the defense responds when he's above the break, but he can make the defense pay. Rather than just dictating, hey, you know, the shell is changing. The shell is coming out farther. There's more room within it to attack for a guy like Pascal. Or where Pascal gets into the lane, his, the secondary helper is right on his hip, and he passes out to Boucher. He can hit that shot. That's great for the offense. Obviously, guys who hit shots are good for any offense. But here's the thing. Boucher can also steal offensive possessions for you on the offensive glass. He can bring a little bit there. And of course you want that. And considering like Baines is the other guy or Stanley Johnson, these guys aren't creating a ton of extra possessions for you. And Boucher does this all the time. He plays nitty gritty. Like there's that, there's a flash to his game. But he's also, he's such a hard worker on the, off- on the offensive glass. He'll give you secondary opportunities. And yes, everybody's, w- it's tough to watch him get bullied on the inside by a guy like Cantor. But I assure you, it's a far better option than having Baines on the floor. The Raptors, you could almost assure that they were going to be in a hole to start this game because Baines is starting the game. And Baines, you notice his worth on the floor when he successfully boxes a guy out. But sometimes he's even missing on that. And sure, he clears a little bit more space for Fred to shake loose and like pull up. But in this game, Fred's pull up wasn't going that well. You need other guys to make shots. So Baines is definitely not the guy to do it. He had that dunk on Norm where Nurkic, an insane person, jumped at Baines's pump fake at the three-point line. God forbid, Nurk. You, you don't need to be jumping at that. But all the other times where I talked about that weak side zone, who's the biased defender, Baines was spacing out above the break on the weak side, and the other defender was like, that's fine, but the ball is not getting to the corner. I'm. It wasn't even a weak side zone. Because Baines wasn't being accounted for. It was just leaving that guy open after Van Vliet gets downhill. And it's like a a four on three. They're like, ah, not really. Not with this guy. It's a three on three. And Van Vliet's coming downhill. So we're comfortable. It's just tough. Not good. And Maokai Flynn, middle in game. It's just when you're not going to make shots as a guy who you very much need to make shots on this Raptors team or you need to play really, really impressive defense. And I have no qualms about Flynn's defense. It's just he's not as affecting because he's mostly a point of attack defender. And when he is sat back in the back end of the Raptors defense, I do like all of the decisions he makes and the routes he takes to off ball cuts, tagging the roll man, stuff like that. I think it's, it's usually pretty clever, but it, it's just not overly effective in this game. And you need a little bit more from him on ball. And that just wasn't the case. So overall, you know, the big three, they do their thing. Hood, Boucher, they they give you a lot in this game. That's what makes it so disappointing to lose this game. And why I'm so salty about the the Stanley Johnson stuff, because I actually think the Raptors should have won this game. They were operating with enough high-quality performances from their main guys that they should have gotten to the W at the end of it all, but they did not. Okay, Reggie Evans' award, Pascal Siakam. I think, man, the work he put in in this game was really, really a lot, and on the glass, grab-and-go, just applying that pressure, that incredible amount of pressure to the Blazers' defense that nobody else on the Raptors' roster could emulate. He just worked so hard. And I, I respect that a lot. I'm, I'm very proud of what Pascal Siakam did tonight. Unfortunately, the Raptors didn't win, but he he left it all out there. He he was working like nobody's business. Top quick reaction comment from Luke Warmwater. Quote: Too bad there was not a site like this in the early expansion years of the Raptors. I'm sure very similar comments would be made about the Raptor performance, kept it close, some tough luck shooting. Got beat by the opponent's great guard combination. We need a center, et cetera, et cetera, I mean, can anyone forget our original center? Now there was a butte, end quote. Yeah, I, I like Raptors Republic a lot. I read it before I started writing and podcasting for it, and I would go to it after every single game. I'd look at the grades. I'd read, you know, whether it was Tim W. Or Keon Sabani or Blake Murphy or whoever was writing at the time. I read their stuff when pieces would come out and it was a lot of Blake. <laughs> I'll say, Blake has written so much for this site in the past. But yeah, uh, I wonder what it would look like back in the AOL. You're online. Like, okay, that's obviously not close to the sound effect, but there's sound effects. I'm not going to make the fax noise either. The ring, ring, Just made it. Ignore me. Finish. You know what? This podcast is over. You don't want to listen to me talk about this. I don't want to talk about this. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and uh, whether you got into it in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.